The year is 2003, and the latest animation-slash-live-action feature starring the Looney Tunes is released in theaters. Some say it's a failed comeback for the classic tunes, but does it truly deserve that reputation? I'm Luana Saita. And I'm Travis Kirkland. And this is Defend Your Trash Movie. Welcome back to another fine Hi. time. Hi, because it's another fine edition on this fine show that we call Defend Your Trash Movie, the podcast that examines bad movies and misrepresented films to see if they're actually good. And Luana, mm-hmm. you know, today's movie that we'll be discussing is sort of infamous for bombing really bad for being a huge box office blow up bomb for the studio and, uh, I think a good way to examine how much it bombed is to uh, dive into one of our old favorite segments, one of our old favorite games, and that's, of course, our homage to the podcast Blank Check, the box office guessing game. Yay, that's where I'm a Viking. That's where you're a Viking, of course. Again, you are the uh, champion, reigning champ of the box office guessing game, as you are the only participant. (laughs) <laughs> of the box office guessing game, but that means you are undefeated. So congrats to you. But let's see if you can still keep your streak running. Ooh, let's 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 see. Let's let's anger at all the box pundits because a, a trans woman is hogging the number one <laughs> on the leaderboard. I mean, that's what we do best here is is, is trigger <laughs> the Republicans. That's our number one goal here. Um, and let's see if we can do that. By guessing the opening weekend box office for the weekend of November 14th, 2003. So, Lana, get your mindset. It's November 14th, 2003. It's almost Thanksgiving time. We're getting our turkeys defrosted and our movies are getting watched. All right. So, we're going to guess one through five. Now, today's movie, as we said, it bombed. And that bombing meant that it debuts at number five, number oh <laughs> five at the box office. A very low, disappointing debut, unfortunately. But let's see what other movies trumped it in our top five. All right. So are you ready to go? Yeah, absolutely. So number four, then. Yeah. Well, let's start at number one. Oh, okay. Sure. Okay. Great. Uh-huh. All right. So at number one, box office weekend, November 14th, 2003. Number one is a comedy okay um is is it a romantic comedy it is not a romantic comedy a romance does happen in this movie but it is not considered a romantic comedy however it mm-hmm. would be considered a family comedy bruce almighty it is not bruce almighty that is in the summer of that year so you're not too far off however mm-hmm. a thing that it shares with bruce almighty is that it has a prominent comedy star. Sandler? It is not Adam Sandler. Now, Mm. this family comedy with a prominent comedy star could also be considered maybe a holiday 
movie. The holiday hmm. movie. And we just had... Uh, it's Thanksgiving, right? Um, uh, it's almost Thanksgiving time. The is, wintery is season. No? Oh, they're a Christmas comedy. It is a Christmas comedy. With a major <laughs> star. Big star Christmas, uh, Christmas with the cranks. No, <laughs> uh, this is a Christmas. This is a uh, this is a uh, as far as I can tell, not problem, non problematic. Uh, oh, oh, do you have a guess? No, I was gonna say you said non problematic, but Tim Allen also had uh, the Santa Claus, which had a couple sequels. So I was like, yeah, maybe so it's, it's one of those. Yeah, Santa not, Claus. it is not a Tim Allen vehicle. <laughs> I think you know. I think we're gonna, you're gonna kick yourself by the time you guess this, but. So it is a Christmas movie, a family comedy with a major star, major comedy it's, star. I mean, it's not Sandler. It's not Tim Allen. Um, since since Jim Carrey had Bruce Almighty that summer, it seems unlikely that he'd have another one in It's in not winter. Jim Carrey. Not Jim Carrey. Is it Eddie Murphy? It is not Eddie Murphy. Now, you mentioned Murphy. You mentioned Sandler. They came from the same TV program, though. So maybe that comedy star comes also from that certain TV. Is it Mm -hmm. Is it it Mike Myers? No, it's not Mike Myers. It is a... He comes a few years later onto the cast of SNL during the 90s. An SNL star in this Christmas... So it, it is a dude. It is a he. It is a guy... This yeah. Christmas comedy movie starring this SNL star. Ooh, this is a this is a toughie. I, we've been. You are so gonna kick yourself once you get this right. <laughs> uh, oh gosh, is family comedy. Is it animated? No, it is not am- animated. In fact, this movie is pr- is pretty much considered a Christmas classic. A movie that one puts on. Oh, it's the- Elf. It is Elf at number uh, one. Nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Once you said because you know so many SNL, like even even the ones that are financially successful that debut uh-huh. at number one, mm-hmm. they're just generally seen as shitty. Like there's so many like crappy holiday comedies, mm-hmm. but like yeah, Elf is, is 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 a pretty rare one that does not suck. Now here's the crazy thing about Elf. This is uh-huh. I. This is its second week of release, and it, and it actually debuted last week at number two. So it has actually climbed up to it number up, one, yeah. beating not only the new releases, but also the previous number one movie of last weekend, which we'll get to a uh, few spaces down. Oh, man. I, I am kicking myself for not getting Elf sooner. Mm. Well, let's see if you can make up for it by guessing number two at the box office. All right. This is a new debut, debuting mm-hmm. alongside today's movie, and this is an adventure action movie. Adventure is is it also like um a family oriented? No, it is not family oriented. Now it is not rated R. However, uh-huh. families are not the target audience here. Two thousand three. Action adventure is—is is there a sci-fi component? No, in fact, this is this. You would consider this movie a period movie. Two thousand three. Uh, not an adventure. Count of Cristo. No, not Count of Monte Cristo. Although this movie, this 
adventure action movie based in a historical period is based on a book. Hmm. Not just a book, but a... Mm-hmm. Hidalgo? <laughs> it's not Hidalgo. Uh, um, in fact, it's not just one book. It is a series of books. I believe this movie is uh, adapting the first book in this book series. Hmm. Is it a musketeer movie? No, it's it's not a musketeer movie. <laughs> um, the, the very the very notion of it seems funny. <laughs> uh, uh, I, um, I, I just knowing this movie. I don't want to say this again. I think you're going to kick yourself for not recognizing this again. <laughs> is it like an ancient, like, Rome or Greece? No, it's not quite that ancient. Um, like medieval I, I'll times say or... not medieval times. <laughs> I'll say that this movie uh, kind of has a long title. A bit of a longer title to it. <gasps> Fucking nuts. It's uh, Master and Commander. It's Master and Commander, the far side, side of, the, of world. the world at number two. <laughs> I know that's also like a really favorite movie of yours. So I, I knew that's like, oh, man, come on, Master oh, and Commander. Yeah, you know what it was funny there is that um, I only saw it like last year, maybe two mm-hmm. years ago. And I was uh-huh. like, I was kicking myself for like never watching it sooner, mm-hmm. but maybe i kind of aged into it maybe i maybe i needed to be like in my late 30s to really appreciate a movie like master and command i feel like it is definitely a uh like a you need to get into the dad's age uh, yeah. to, to, to enjoy that movie Not, nothing against that movie it is a great mm-hmm. awesome movie but I, I do kind of understand that you need to uh be getting to the dad mode dead mood of it all okay because yeah, there's like not really an exciting epic story. It's just like some guys doing their job on a boat. <laughs> yeah, and it's awesome. It's great. Yeah. Totally. Uh, okay, at number three. Now, well, let's see and... if we can complete the trifecta of me kicking myself. I hope it's mm. another classic. I don't oh, know. Eh, we'll see. Okay, so number three was actually the number one movie mm-hmm. from last week, but then Elf took it over. This movie at number three is a sci-fi movie. Oh, this one is a sci-fi movie. Okay. Sci-fi. Um, is it is it a, a adventurous sci-fi movie? Sort of. I would consider it more sci-fi action. All right. All right. Is it is it uh, is it scary? Has it got like monsters or aliens or stuff in it? No, uh, not a scary one. Mm, okay. Uh, um, we talking about like um, sci-fi like like space and laser guns and stuff. Nope. No, uh, kind of lasers, but we are not in space. In fact, we are pretty. Uh, root leaf planted on earth. Uh, ooh, um, no, it, uh, sets in the, in the far future. Earth in the far future, 2003. This was last week's number one, right? Yes. Uh, does it have a big star? Uh, yeah, big star. In fact, big star with a big franchise. This is a franchise movie. Hmm. Is, is it a trick? No, no. Nope, it's not Star Trek. Um, this is the third movie in this franchise. Hmm. Third movie of this franchise set in the far future. Sci-fi action. Um, uh, does it have big stars? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big stars. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Recognizable people. It is an iconic franchise. Hmm. Iconic franchise. 2003. 
three. We're in two thousand three, so yes. we don't have no Star Wars in this year, I believe. All right, here's um, a hint. Here's a hint. Hmm? The previous movie was released only a few months ahead of this one. Ooh, uh, fucking revolutions! It is the Matrix Revolutions <laughs> at number three. Yes. <laughs> um, mm, I don't know. Maybe I should kick myself with that one too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no, Luana! This isn't about bringing yourself down. Well, let's see if you can get one last shot of redemption with the movie that is at number four. How about that? I feel. I feel as bad as Joe Dante did making. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, hey, let's see what we can do. At number four is a family movie. Okay. Um, animated. Animated family movie. Correct. Okay. Um, is it Disney? It is. It is a Disney animated movie. Treasure Planet. No, it's not Treasure Planet, but it, we are definitely in that follow period. A movie sort of equally as forgettable. Brother Bear? At number four, it's Brother uh. Bear. <laughs> I was like, what, what is around that time? It was either going to be Brother Bear or Home on the Range. So I guess it was Brother Bear. Yep, Brother oh, Bear at number four. Looney Tunes couldn't beat up Brother Bear. Mm, oh my, we'll talk <laughs> about it. All right, but today's movie was also at number five. Uh, yeah, let's go over it. So at number one, Elf. Number two, Mastering Commander of the Far Side of the World. Number three, The Matrix Revolutions. Number four, Brother Bear. And number five, today's movie. I'm so embarrassed at how quickly I got Brother Bear. <laughs> <laughs> Compared to those other movies. Master and Commander. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Uh, look, do you want to know what the rest of the top 10 is looking yes, like? Yes, I do. At number six, it's Love Actually. Mm, okay. And again, another holiday. Uh, um, I don't know. Holiday classic to some. To some. I don't know me. but It's, it's kind of taken a critical, like, Reevaluation for the worse in yeah uh, i mean in, there, in there's stuff years, in, but, there's good stuff in there but yeah i don't know i i think i think this one is that one is a bit of a like a rom-com harry potter in the sense that people that think about these things find it problematic but like to most like normies they just they just like it the surface <laughs> you know? level stuff is fun like the surface right level yeah stuff yeah. works all right at number seven it's scary movie three <laughs> that's the one that actually got the zucker brothers yeah i uh, got the zucks back yeah <laughs> no more of you wayne we need the zucker the zuckers oh yeah because leslie nielsen was like the president in that i think yeah 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 at, <laughs> at number eight it's radio radio i would never this, have gotten that what the fuck yeah. radio huh? oh that's the cuba gooding jr as a mentally disabled <laughs> kid teenager who tries to play football and uh oh it is as embarrassing as you think that sounds like a tropic thunder or fake movie honestly i do think tropic thunder or i do think tropic thunder is like really riffing on like radio and oh my i am sam and whatnot i mean right, early right, 2000s right. were the time for that okay and mm. number nine is actually another new movie debuting this weekend it's tupac resurrection the forgotten biopic of Tupac Shakur right 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 wait was that a biopic or was that a documentary was it was that an wasn't actual that biopic the, I forget wasn't oh that ooh, I thought that was the biopic but I might be wrong no the biopic was was later I believe is is it I'm not I'm not gonna look it up 
It's a documentary uh, film. Okay, it's a doc. Well, that's the other movie debuting this weekend. Then rounding out the top 10 is Mystic River at number 10. But the debut at number 10? Uh, no, it's been in play for, I think it's one, I think it was one of those like limited release movies just still in the top 10 is uh, Mystic River. Yeah, that was, that's uh, the Sean Penn one, right? Sean Penn and Clint Eastwood and all that good stuff. Yeah. All right. All right. But that is the opening box office weekend for November 14th, 2003. Uh, but as we said, pretty embarrassing turnout for the movie that we're going to discuss today. And let's go ahead and get into the nitty gritty of Looney Tunes back in action. What's up, Doc? Is this your idea? <laughs> the Looney Tunes are back on the big screen. We hug, we cry. <laughs> So did you miss me? And all they have to do is travel the world to find the blue monkey. What's a blue monkey? A very special diamond. The diamond has supernatural powers. Now, if I were a giant diamond, where would I be? Not there. You know this all sounds insane. Kids love it. I don't know the meaning of the word fear. Say your prayers! Fear. Now, a state of terror. We cannot let a boy, a girl, and a rabbit thwart our plans for global domination. What about the duck? Death never misses a cue. God, sir. Hit me. Hit me. Hit me. Hit me, The boy's about as sharp as a bowling ball. Where's your civity sack? You want the varmints and what they come for. Modified Chevrolet with a big 24 on the side. Out of the way, fancy boy. Coming through. Ah! Oh, you held here. What kind of sick joke is this? Dynamite! Throw it out the window! It'll send the wrong message to children! Brendan Fraser, Jenna Elfman, Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck. Welcome to my world. And Steve Martin as the evil head of the Acme Corporation. I know I'm hot. In the biggest animated adventure ever to hit real life. Looney Tunes back in action. It's all yuck yuck and then bam wham blam. Only in theaters November 14th. Looney Tunes Back in Action, directed by Joe Dante, was released on November 14, 2003. It stars Brendan Fraser, Jenna Elfman, Steve Martin, Joe Alasky, and many others. Now, Luana, I Mm -hmm. will go ahead and just be upfront and say I'm a Looney Tunes kid. I'm still a Looney Tunes fan. I grew up with the cartoons as a young lad who watched a lot of TVs and a lot of cartoons. So even though, yeah, a lot of those cartoons were made before my time, I remember watching those, you know, over and over and over again. So those shorts and their gags and their cartoons, they're a piece of my childhood. Um, and uh, and I, I still have an affectionate place in my heart for the tunes that are loony and the melodies which are merry. Yeah. What about you, Luana? Oh, yeah, I definitely grew up watching the Looney Tunes on TV um they were it was fun you know they were they were the um sort of wilder uh sort of the wilder counterparts to the disney shorts you know um like maybe maybe only goofy could like reach uh, reach the crazy shit that the looney tunes were up to mm-hmm. um 
uh, yeah, because they were more anarchic, more uh, violent. Yeah, crazier. Like the the there's a reason that Itchy and Scratchy are the way they are. You know, they're, they're yeah. maybe like sometimes maybe like twenty percent uh, more violent yeah. than the actual Looney Tunes. You know? Yeah, like they're uh, more like they're. I believe they're censored now, but you there were like Looney Tunes cartoons that have characters like shooting themselves in the head, like pulling out a gun, <laughs> and going. Poof. So yeah, absolutely. Like I remember one of my favorite gags is the Slowpoke Rodriguez. Like, no, no, you can't. I forgot to tell you, Snowpoke Rodriguez, he got a gun. <laughs> and he just pops Celeste in the head. <laughs> so, yeah, no, definitely. Uh, uh, no, no, yeah. yeah um, I, I, I didn't... Um, I actually kind of wish we had something like Max, where you... Because, uh, like, now it's easy for me to watch old Disney shorts with Disney+, Plus, but... Um, we don't have Max where I'm at, so I would love to be able to watch old Warner Brothers shorts. Uh, Willy-nilly, yeah. That'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting because uh, this movie, Looney Tunes Back in Action, is sort of infamous as being a gigantic bomb. But I think we need to do a little bit of a... Uh, let's, let's work it back a little bit, how we got to Looney Tunes Back in Action. So, of course, um, you know... The 90s, a weird time at the movies. And one of those was Space Jam, which, of course, is the very popular, very successful movie that had Michael Jordan play basketball with the Looney Tunes. And not only did it make tons and tons of money, but it made tons and tons of merchandising money. Warner Brothers like, we want more money, money. I, I We love money so much. We need to make <laughs> another one, please. We need to make another movie. Right, right, right. <laughs> so for the longest time, they were trying to develop a Space Jam 2, uh, which they couldn't ever lock down Michael Jordan for. So they were trying to, to figure out, OK, if we can't get Michael Jordan, let's try to figure out another live action animation hybrid movie with a big famous celebrity at the center. So <laughs> if you if you do your research, you can find pitches for stuff like race jam starring nascar driver jeff gordon <laughs> you have golf jam starring tiger woods you have uh, a skate jam starring tony hawk spy jam which would have been a spy movie and kind of sort of becomes back in action but this rich this pitch originally for spy jam would have been starring Jackie Chan. So obviously oh, yeah. they they were going to the winds trying to figure out all permutations <laughs> of how to do a Looney Tunes movie. Once you once you added Jeff Gordon, I understood what they meant with Race Jam. <laughs> Cuz like, oh yeah, Jeff Gordon, yeah, of course he's a Oh, yeah, you, race. You, race Jam. Yeah, Race Jam probably sounds a little different. Yeah. It sounds like, oh my goodness, the Char I I remember Charles Manson making <laughs> oh, proclamations no, about a Race Jam. Him. He was worried about the big race jam. He would have hated that movie. The movie about to come out. He was, he was uh, trying. He was pitching it from jail, like he was doing <laughs> conference calls. Exactly. It's gonna be a great. Uh, it's like when the great race jam happens, and we see Jeff Gordon and Bugs Bunny on screen. We're gonna, <laughs> that's when we're gonna initiate Helter Skelter, everybody. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> uh, but either way, those were all the various choices that they were trying to do. Eventually, I guess, sort of taking the premise of, of Spy Jam and then just kind of reconfiguring it to what would eventually become back in action. 
And then, of course, you know, years, years later, there would be a proper Space Jam sequel with Space Jam A New Legacy with LeBron James. Uh, but, you know, I think uh, uh, and I think uh, Space Jam A New Legacy is definitely a good candidate for this podcast. But before that, let's let's talk about back in action. And I'll say this, like, you know, obviously the Warner Brothers executives were only doing this for money for the most, you know, mm, yeah. greedy corporate <laughs> reasons. But you know, if you are going to get a director for a Looney Tunes movie, I really can't think of a more perfect director than Joe Dante. Oh, yeah, gosh. I mean, what are the, you know, two Gremlins movies, but perfect Looney Tunes movies, essentially. Yeah. And like when you watch things like Matinee and The Burbs and whatnot, like those are just full of, you know, all sorts of, you know, cartoon energy gags mm-hmm. and whatnot. So, yeah, definitely. Like Gremlins 2 even just flat out has like animated. It starts se- with Bugs and Daffy. Starts with yeah. Bugs and Daffy, like new animation, new animated sequences by Chuck Jones or mm-hmm. that. So like it's very clear that you know Looney Tunes is in Joe Dante's blood, something he grew up with and obviously has in- has inspired his work. So yeah, I mean, for something that's so so cold and corporate as another Looney Tunes product they got the perfect guy and maybe this is where the problem was it was that weren't the studio heads obviously just wanted this for the product but joe dante saw this as like well this is how i'm going to make the looney tunes not a product because i because dante has publicly stated he really hated space jam and how the looney tunes were turned into essentially just these mascots for the studio and with back in action he really wanted to turn that around really bring back that uh anarchistic fun spirit of the original shorts and you know and while i love you know dante and his energy it's like i i guess maybe this movie was doomed from the start from these incongruous you know for you know incongruous uh points of view when it came to this movie you know yeah, I feel that um, and this yeah, this movie is really this movie feels like um, if if Ryan Johnson hadn't been able to get away with anything on the Last Jedi, mm. <laughs> that, that's what it feels like, you know. When whenever like compared to the other movies that surrounded, like these very uh, safe uh, sort of. Um, ip extension type of movies uh-huh. uh last jedi really feels like a movie that you know someone with something to say or uh yeah got into it and and you know one might wonder oh what what if um how odd that um uh, that that movie kind of snuck in under mm-hmm. and back in action is the perfect illustration of someone with passion for the material that only maybe a little bit partially uh, managed mm-hmm. to snuck some of his you know beloved material into what was just seen as a you know an ip extension um a brand uh a brand exercise you mm-hmm. know yeah and there's it's 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 kind of sad that that because there is you can definitely see um a lot of stuff there with um uh, that just shows that there were people behind this that were passionate about it like uh-huh. the whole like louver sequence that's that's, that's fantastic yeah. that could have been um that could have been a 
a, a duck a muck level short had it been made 40, exactly. like 40 years earlier. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, and um, the the whole bit that like the opening bit we meet um, Brendan Fraser and we kind of like travel around the WB lot and we see all these, you know, kind of kind of Roger Rabbitish, I guess, when we're yeah. around Maroon Studios and we see well, what are what are the tunes doing? That's that's a really good like uh, intro of like um, a presentation of the different world that is a bit like ours but not quite uh-huh um it's 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 a really exciting way to um you know present these characters in in a new um in a new spotlight uh, it does it far better than um fucking space jam does <laughs> oh definitely they, um where they kind of live in a in a looney tunes alternate dimension i, uh-huh. I guess yeah and, and here this is you know them just all being assholes that work on the line <laughs> is is fantastic because like that's that's kind of what they were doing in the old um cartoons where you know they have that meta aspect where they talk to the animator and they would hang out with like peter lore and the marx brothers and, <laughs> yeah. and them and uh yeah, that that it kind of even makes you psyched about what's coming. And well, you know, I don't, I'm not gonna, I I, I like the movie generally, but it doesn't live up to that. It doesn't live up to, um, to Shaggy talking to Matthew Lillard. You know? <laughs> yeah, sadly, I have to agree that for this being such a big bomb, I don't think the movie itself is terrible bad right right. um i think there's enough good stuff in it and enough of joe dante's creativity and energy to make it fun and interesting right right. but it is so unfortunate that you can feel him being constrained um Mm -hmm. by studio executives and in fact if you read and look up interviews with joe dante after the making of back in action he just straight up says it was the worst one and a half years of my life that i'll never get back and it was you know the absolute worst time making a movie and yeah, it's disappointing because so tra- yeah yeah because again he's a creative guy and obviously like it and weirdly it feels like looney tunes you know we talked about how much looney tunes energy was in his previous movies it feels like almost those movies were like a layup to, to yeah. him to actually make a Looney, Doing a Looney Tunes, Tunes movie yeah. and so it's so disappointing that it was such a miserable time and mm-hmm. those sparks of imagination that you mentioned really highlight how disappointing it is right right when the movie feels constrained by studio mandate which is funny because the movie is also meta about like how dumb studio executives <laughs> are like the like the fact that they have it you know in a in some you know club in some like fun looney tunes type gags like the warner brothers are actually represented represented by two twin brothers um which <laughs> those is guys your, from terminator 2 right? terminator the... 2 and gremlins 2 they're the lab assistants to oh yeah the Lee and gremlins lab assist- yeah. yeah so like yeah so it's a so like yeah that's the type of movie you're doing where like oh yeah the warner brothers are two twin brothers and like <laughs> i mean it's funny because like it's it's funny that like you know they're represented by like idiots who are (laughs) who are you know who only think in corporate cold terms and even though they tell jenna elfman to fire daffy they then want her to get daffy back um 
It's like, uh, you know, these days with, you know, David Zaslov in the headline <laughs> yeah. of Warner Discovery, it's like, man, that joke uh, doesn't age, has not aged, unfortunately. <laughs> has not aged when a Warner Brothers being fucking idiots. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. I, I, you know, I, uh, men mentioning those two guys whose names I am not familiar with. Mm -hmm. The twins, like, yeah. Uh, Dante, like stalwarts. There's also... Uh, Dick Miller. There's Dick Miller as security guard. Mary uh, Warnoff. As the as one of the VPs. The bad idea. The, yeah. Uh, Ron Perlman's on that board. Yeah. There's, Rick, there's Richard Picardo. Roger Corman as a director. Yeah. Roger Corman as Batman director. Richard Picardo's also on that board uh, as yeah, one Picardo, of the VPs. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of the character actor uh, cameos that one would expect if you like Dante's stuff. Um, and yeah, it, it's sad because, you know, again, I don't want to keep going back to this sad, disappointing, but it's like, if you look at like the talent that he also had behind this movie, he had uh, Dean Cundy, you know, legendary DP mm. of some of Steven yeah. Spielberg's and John Carpenter's best works. Uh, yeah, and yeah, the, the, the DP for Who Framed Roger Rabbit coming back to do back in action. And yeah. uh it does look great. The interactions yeah. between the tunes and the humans are really good. Yeah, they know? get it great. And uh, the animation director for this was Eric Goldberg, one of the top animators during the oh, Disney wow. Renaissance. So, you know, Dante was getting his the right people in place right, for this right, right. movie. Um, and like you said, if you have to cite faults, it's not with the animation. You can tell it was done with love and affection. Everything's animated wonderfully well there are some great gags and the integration feels very natural and i'll say this mm -hmm. for the cast i think at the very I, I have maybe no i don't have any i don't think i have, have any complaints about the cast but i'll say that at the very least you can tell that the cast is a game that they are okay they yeah. they, they know the type of movie they're in so they are acting appropriately yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the, the <laughs> I had to uh, -huh. uh I was I was rather amused at, you know, coming to the human uh cast that Timothy Dalton's character is called Damian Drake. Mm -hmm. And like that actually sounds like it would be a Daffy character, you know, like Duck Dodgers. <laughs> yeah, like that would be his ripoff of James Bond. Yeah, that would be his spy <laughs> character. <laughs> but of course, they don't know Warner Brothers don't own Bond, so they gotta say Damian Drake, of course. <laughs> um, I gotta say, I think they were very astute in getting Brendan Fraser as the lead. I think because he's the right type of guy. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. who's like, yeah, I mean, back then in the 90s and 2000s, he just had that fun energy where he was a guy who obviously you know he was he had the you know he was he was broad he could be muscular he had mm -hmm. the chiseled uh leading man good looks but he was <laughs> willing to be goofy he was willing yeah, to do absolutely. silly stuff and uh -huh. so having him be the lead of the looney tunes movie you know makes a lot of sense and i think he does really well i think he brings that same lovable Brendan Fraser energy that we all, uh, I think, yeah, yeah. That, that we've all come around to. The Fraser, the Brendan Assange, Fraser Assange, I think they're calling it now. Yeah. Uh, with the reappreciation of him. But uh, yeah, I think he's a, I think he's the perfect choice for this. Oh yeah, absolutely. He he does a great job to, to the, 
to the extent that one needs a human in a Looney Tunes movie, you know? Um, mm. I think I think that there's a like he's mm-hmm. he's perfect for a role that the movie doesn't really need mm. uh, in this. You know, when you have um, I mean, Muppet movies have humans, but mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. But you don't, don't care about them. Yeah, I mean they're they're fun gags, you know. You, there, yeah. There's Orson Welles, and the, you know there's uh, we don't necessarily need. Uh, okay, sure, there there are good, uh, you know, Michael Caine does well, but you know he's, he's, he's screwed. But um, he's our Brendan is our normal guy, you know. Right. Uh, he's not he's not screwed. He's not playing up. I almost feel that. Um, the whole plot with his dad and having to find the clues and stuff. Oh, just just make him a, just just make him the He Man like cool hero guy, or maybe the wannabe cool hero guy. You know, mm-hmm. that we uh, to give him something big to chew on, mm-hmm. uh, because we we don't need a normal guy. Yeah, we, it, it's fine. We 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 come we come here for the for the Looney Tunes. You know, mm-hmm. uh, give it let him be let him be the. The Scrooge, or the, that Michael Caine gets to play in the Muppets, or the the the, the um, Long John Silver that Tim Curry gets to play. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Do you think this movie would have benefited? Like, I know I said my praise about Fraser, but do you think this movie would have benefited if they had dropped uh, almost all of the human characters except for Steve Martin's villain character? Yeah, yeah. I I, I would I would say so. Yeah, because that that's kind of. That's kind of that energy, I guess. Yeah. You know, that, mm-hmm. that that's that. Um, oh, I'm sharing the screen with the Looney Tunes, so I better step it up. You know, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. Because um, to to the point where you're almost. I don't. I'm not sure if I've seen. No, no, I, I I've definitely. I, I want. I wanted to say it's the most cartoony Steve Martin has ever been. He's he's been pretty. He's been pretty broad, uh, but um. I mean, I'll, up there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll say that I what I appreciate about his performance in this and why I like it is that I think for a while there was a run in the 90s and 2000s where uh, Steve Martin's comedy persona tended to be more of like a befuddled older man, like a put upon guy who's like, oh, all the crazy circumstances are yeah, happening around me. Ah, well, yeah, yeah, that, planes, trains, automobiles, and whatnot. And he's good, he's good. But, like, you know, when he was coming up in the 70s and 80s, he had stuff like The Jerk or his SNL appearances where he was, you know, act playing, like, really outrageous, funny characters. So, like, right, him right, yeah. him del- delivering a very, very caricatured performance in this amuses me because, like, oh, I, I haven't seen him d- deliver that energy. True, true, while. true, yeah. So I, I could see why some people might be put off by it because it seems like a little too much. But for me, who no, no, I, I was I I would like to go on record and I'm not put off by it. I think it's good. <laughs> I think yeah. he's very funny. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, but I think uh, yeah, that's what makes it amusing for me. Um, and uh, I what's the you know let's go ahead and get into maybe some of the studio stuff that or what feels like studio stuff that we don't like. And I'll say that I feel like there are moments where the, there are not animation, but CG, like just CGI animated characters uh, that 
feel I don't know 100% if they were like last minute things that needed to get added by the studio, but they feel like last minute things that were forced upon by the studio, like the whole <laughs> uh, action sequence with the big robot dog feels kind oh, of yeah <laughs> it feels kind of out of place like oh mm -hmm. suddenly like yeah it's a silly whatever movie but like it feels like this because the whole thing's been like you know it's there's just been it there's a clear delineation between 2d animated stuff and live action stuff and anything that's really silly is 2d animated and then suddenly there's like a a cgi robot dog that they have to fight for to, the climax yeah, yeah for the climax and it's like I did we need this like I don't because <laughs> right. this isn't a Looney Tunes character they haven't established th uh, uh, this robot dog thing before it, it really uh -huh. does feel like one of those things like no 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 Joe Dante you need to have an action sequence you have to juice this up so you have to put a CGI thing make right, Brendan right. Fraser fight a CGI thing like in the mummy or something <laughs> which you know obviously the stuff in the mummy that aged the 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 best <laughs> is the CGI. Oh boy. Like I was watching that sequence and it's like, well, if they had to have an action sequence where like Brendan has to fight something to get to his dad. Uh like I know they show Wiley Coyote at, at the head of the train that's going to hit Timothy Dalton, but it's like, what if you had like Wiley Coyote like throwing different acme gadgets at brendan fraser oh and, that's fun and it was like an impromptu fight between like wiley just using acme gadgets against brendan having to outwit him like wouldn't okay. that be more fun and actually using hey hey warner brothers executives actually using <laughs> looney tunes characters in your right. scenes god that that fucking that fucking robot dog feels like um what was the name john peters uh -huh. for uh quite a long while in the late 90s and earlier O's really was adamant that someone fight a giant metal spider and finally got his uh finally got his wish in wild wild west exactly and who knows maybe they still had giant robot animals on the mind like oh yes <laughs> worked so well in wild wild west that did not bomb let's add more big <laughs> robot animals to our movie um even the there it's briefer than the dog but there's that cgi alien that they first encounter when they get to a area 52 that feels weirdly out of place like i know it's oh, in, yeah. like it's uh -huh. in service of a gag when it gets put in the big mason jar and then you see the other aliens are throwback creatures from the 1950s and but even that one feels like yeah this this doesn't seem correct for the movie no, yeah, absolutely. They, hmm. <laughs> uh, I think maybe it's they wanted to recapture, like maybe I don't know, I'm being generous here, Men in Black vibes. Maybe again, I would not be surprised if more of like, well, you know, it's Men in Black. Worked in Men in Black. Come on, we did Men in Black. Got to put that in there. Cause yeah, I mean, cause like they, I can very much see them getting nervous about like, hmm, yeah, okay, we're I'm doing this area fifty two gag haha ha, yeah we get it. it's air 51 but like uh the kids aren't gonna the kids aren't gonna get your references who's robbie the robot <laughs> you yeah, know yeah we gotta we gotta add a cg when kids see cg they're gonna love it they always kids always applaud when they see say see cg they always do <laughs> um and and i will say that despite that that is a fun sequence like oh absolutely yeah. i mean that is dante obviously putting his love of old sci-fi movies in there with you know there's what the robot monster robbie's in there as you pointed out 
uh robot monster is in there there are daleks in there um probably like the most biggest apparent references uh seeing kevin mccarthy reprising his role from invasion oh, yeah, of the body snatchers that, yeah <laughs> yep and he's holding a, a a pod and he's in black and white as well so yeah that's that's all fun that's all fun mm-hmm, absolutely um yeah, totally um, um to, to the point where i'm like oh yeah okay the cgi aged poorly but it's it's it's, it's, it's all in good fun it's, it's all uh, a fine a fine list um and Joan Cusack, what a what a fun cameo! Yeah, yeah, some fun cameos here. You got Joan Cusack and Heather Locklear. Um, <laughs> I do have to say that Heather Locklear is probably the funniest and like most dated cameo. Exactly. Yeah, because and I heard a rumor that that was, and it does. This doesn't surprise me that that was originally supposed to be Britney Spears. Um, oh yeah, like I mean, it was two thousand three, so that would have yeah. Been- or like current yeah and it makes sense like that makes sense like oh it would be britney spears in that role of like oh it's a famous pop star but actually a secret agent like that would work better than right yeah and i like locklear but like spears obviously her celebrity would make the joke work better it's like i mean when did uh what she was in um melrose place i mean that that was the 90s that yeah that ended four years before uh before this movie came out like the only 2000s locklear thing i can think of was is the last is that hillary duff movie i believe where she was hillary duff's mom's a cinderella (laughs) story i think it was called otherwise was she in cinderella story i think or she was she was in a hillary duff i know at least i don't know if it's that particular one um but yeah locklear as i do like locklear but she definitely feels like a last minute replacement right right right. um i will say this one thing i do like about this movie um is that it is that you know yeah brendan fraser is you know our protagonist and blah blah blah. but if you think about like the looney tunes characters this really is a daffy duck movie which Mm -hmm, i enjoy because daffy duck is my favorite looney tunes character yeah, I think so too. I think I think I uh, I agree with you there, um, and I love that he is basically. Um, <laughs> I, I love that he is essentially like a a, a disgruntled second banana actor, mm-hmm. uh, and I love that he is, um, <laughs> and it, it bugs is just basically like the diva that can do whatever he wants, mm-hmm. and. He's like, yeah, yeah, you know, Daffy always runs off and you always get him back. <laughs> and like, no, we, we won't do it this time. <laughs> and uh, he's like, yeah, yeah, you will. Because <laughs> I, I want you to get Daffy back. <laughs> and I was like, man, that's kind of bad. <laughs> yeah. like, I, I, I love the idea of like, like I, I was conflicted because I was like, oh, man, what a what a dreadful diva he must be so so horrible to work with but like as a viewer <laughs> like, no, that, that's pretty bad yeah <laughs> one would wish that there would actually be a bugs bunny around to boss around david zasloff <laughs> yeah jesus yeah <laughs> it's like yeah put the put the hbo backs on that title for your streaming service doc it's real stupid <laughs> yeah you gotta you gotta bring back all the 
uh, what did they cancel? What, what, what's an HBO thing? That they uh, oh, you got to bring back Westworld. Come on. What are you doing taking Westworld off, <laughs> off, your, off your network, Doc? It was one of the premier shows of HBO. Yeah, the, yeah, those subsequent seasons kind of sucked, but still, it's a <laughs> brand. And you like brands, don't you? There was just there was just one finale movie left to go. You could have you gotta give the even though we didn't really understand what was going on. <laughs> doc, uh, Doc, DC fans are always gonna exist. Just release Batgirl. Come on. Now. Oh yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Bad girl. Yeah. <laughs> Batgirl. <laughs> Boy, do you think Warner Brothers really have an egg on their face for canceling ain't the 96 million Batgirl? But still putting all their oomph and money behind the Flash. Yeah, I, I love how fucking bad that bomb. That was just wonderful. Yeah, a, a, a true beautiful implosion in slow mo, as uh, the Flash sometimes sees. <laughs> Indeed. Oh God. Um. Yeah. No, that was very well deserved. I'm. I'm. I'm kind <laughs> of. Um. I'm kind of. Um. Surprised that they not only did not cancel uh harley quinn but i th- I believe there's a there's a there's yet another season that's been greenlit uh so that's cool yeah maybe this is all again this is all the sean frauder for back in action this is just like uh, <laughs> back in action warned us was trying to warn us about warner brothers but because the movie bomb we did not heed the warnings deep enough unfortunately <laughs> uh, that was uh yeah i mean one can one can say that it might be a little too on the nose, but with studio execs, you can never be too on the nose because they <laughs> won't get it. <laughs> um, and I think uh, I'm trying to think of other stuff that I like. One of the things, and again, let's let's talk more about how idiotic the studio heads were. But like, for I I don't know if they still do this, but for a while in the 2000s and 2010s, one thing that uh, animation studios would do would be what's called punch up and just to explain what punch up is because i don't know if like comedy punch up is that well known to like the mass audiences who watch movies but generally speaking what punch up is, is that uh, at least when it comes to live action movies and tv shows is you bring is before something goes to shoot you bring in a bunch of writers and actors and comedians and they basically do uncredited comedy punch-up work they come in take the script that's already at hand and mm-hmm. make mm-hmm. suggestions like ah add these jokes do this do that uh, right, right. it usually goes uncredited or like sometimes you'll see their names under special thanks or whatever mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now during the 2000s animation studios would do this but they would not do this before they started animation what they thought the smart thing to do was <laughs> After the animation had been completed and they didn't think a scene was funny, they were like, hey, comedians, we want you to write dialogue that can be said off screen or while the characters' faces are not being looked at by the audience and they can say something funny. Uh, uh, Patton Oswalt has a whole routine about this on one of his stand-up albums because uh, he uh-huh. used to do this for DreamWorks movies. And uh, yeah, that's the same thing here with fucking Looney Tunes. Like these studio executives didn't understand apparently like that you can't like re-edit and reshoot anim- move- animated movies because animation takes so freaking long to complete. Right. <laughs> you can't 
Spike write a new gag and then animate new mouth movements or whatever to yeah like one of those gags is um because i and i know this was an added gag because scott ackerman creator of the uh comedy podcast comedy bang bang he said he did work on looney tunes and he said one of the jokes he added that's in the final movie is when they're in africa and there's that shot uh where they're all on top of an elephant and it you see the backside of an elephant for a good while and then daffy says oh what a beautiful sight and then bug says if you think that's a beautiful sight think of the audience who had to look at an elephant's butt for the last 30 <laughs> seconds um and it's like that and again this is look i, I get, if anyone thinks that people being studio executives means that you have some instinctual creative or savvy knowledge know that like that's not how you write funny material <laughs> i'm trying to think of the shot in which it happened and like yeah because there's no animation to to edit that in because like, they they say it they say it off screen right right they say it basically with like the characters backs to the audience so they right, can right, just be like hey hey daffy me 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 oh god <laughs> oh my gosh that is absolutely tragic that is <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it's it, yeah and i guess by all accounts from not only just from people who worked on looney tunes back in action but um warner brothers who developed uh their feature who restarted their feature animation department in the 90s to compete with disney to make like iron giant and quest for camelot and all these other movies apparently the studio heads just didn't not didn't not like animation did not understand how the process works so it's like geez these are how are these animation lo the looney tunes or like what are one of the foundational aspects of your company like bugs bunny <laughs> is one of the first things people think of when it comes to warner Bros. and you don't know how to do animation i mean right, it right, goes right. back to when we were talking about the black cauldron and like Disney is, of course, known for animation, but that was also during a period when they didn't know what they were doing with their cartoons. Right, right, right. Absolutely. And, and it's like, at, it, it makes you, I mean, obviously Zoslav fucking sucks, but uh -huh. he's not the first one. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, this is, he's, he, he is not stuck in a unique manner. <laughs> I guess, I guess now because he has that streaming platform to fuck mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. uh, that's that's a that's a new way to fuck up. But this is every new thing I hear about this movie, this twenty-year-old movie, is just a new way and just new infuriating thing. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, just like how how are any how are any smart decisions done in Hollywood? Right, with I mean, these uh, these fucking few idiots in charge, you know. How 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 did Fury Road get made? You know, that's exactly. Were they asleep? Brother. Were they on vacation in some <laughs> far off place that wasn't Australia? You know. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it must be something like that. Like George Miller was just too far for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe maybe um look but uh i think we've had all to say about looney tunes back in action um uh do you have any man do you have anything before we get to wrap-ups i thought it was funny that brendan fraser voiced the taz and mrs taz 
<laughs> that was that was very cute. That was um, very cute. Yes, and for um, some reason they have Bill Goldberg from the from the WWE. Oh yeah, <laughs> from WCW. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, indeed. Um, and was there a? I mean, I love that Dante just pulled from the deep well of Looney Tunes characters. So even things like Michigan J Frog and the Sheepdog and the and the Wolf make like one scene cameos yeah. <laughs> and whatnot. So again, the love for the material is there, but yeah. it was only done by the creative team involved, unfortunately, not the yeah. not the people holding the purse, so to say. <laughs> yeah. The he did not, um, but even Joe Dante did not dare pull the trigger and include pete puma <laughs> no Wait, is no. he in there somewhere is, ooh, well, I, we have to look again yeah pete puma was there <laughs> yeah, i feel puma. like that, that that one is is i would because like he's not specifically <laughs> mentioned as being like mentally disabled but i would <laughs> i would feel uncomfortable including pete <laughs> in yeah. anything I wonder if Peter Puma is in Space Jam and, uh, <laughs> or I knew uh, the number two. He's not like, yeah, LeBron James, I play the basketball really well. <laughs> I mean, you, even for our listeners that have not seen Pete Puma's classic appearance just from Travis's uh, impersonation, <laughs> you, you can tell that you don't want to include this guy. <laughs> uh, well, I don't think Petey Puma will be involved in our wrap-up, so let's go ahead and get to those. Um, let's go ahead and start with most trashy, least trashy, least favorite, most favorite things from the movie. So, Luana, let's kick it off with most trashy, our least favorite thing. So, Luana, what was your most trashy, least favorite thing from Looney Tunes Back in Action? Mm, I think my most trashy thing would be, yeah, probably the CGI dog. It's such a perfect encapsulation of what's on screen in terms of, um, like, you see some real middling there. Uh, it feels super tacked on. It, it's It's just a perfect encapsulation of, execs not knowing what to do with the material or what would make it um what would make it successful or what would make it sing uh so yeah i'm i'm going to go for that like that's the most tangible thing cuz you know there i don't really hate a lot of not cuz like hell even the cgi dog kind of ends up being a little funny <laughs> with the um, because it's 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 a hard movie to to actually dislike, like the actual product on screen. It is a story that is very easy to dislike, like the 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 narrative behind it. But unfortunately, Dante and his crew were good enough, you know, that they managed to salvage and make it a watchable and fairly entertaining movie. So, the CGI dog even is more of a symbol than. To the extent that you know more so than a scene i really really hate mm -hmm. if, if that makes sense how about you you know i think i would pick that as well but i'm gonna go something different that i think what also encapsulates the sort of i give up nature of this movie is the fact that the end credits is just pencil sketches of the animation and 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 not no and look and maybe it's kind of nice in the way like oh this is 2d animation there's a fear of it kind of fading out so let's see you know 
kind of the animation in its most basic elemental form being, you know, drafted to appreciate the art form. And I can see it that way, but it just feels like them giving up, like, like Dante in the studio being like, look, whatever. We can't obviously come to an agreement on what a Looney Tunes movie should be. So our end credits are just going to be our pencil sketches and we're going to slap on a junior senior song. Um, and it's then that's it. And then they have like an end. They have an end credit scene, like a post credit scene, but it's not anything special. It's actually just a deleted gag from the casino chase um, involving Daffy and the goons and a slot machine. And like, that's it. It's like, oh, it's just a gag you didn't have earlier in the movie, but you probably could have put it in the movie. So it feels it 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 uh, weirdly it just feels like a come down for me of like it of just it, something like that just feels like both parties walking away being like, look, here's the product. You know, this is yeah, right. we're done with the struggle. Here it is. <laughs> I give the fuck up. Exactly. <laughs> um. But let's move on to lighter stuff. Most trashy, uh, most favorite, least trashy. And so, Luana, for you, what was the least trashy, most favorite thing about this movie? Uh, it was the museum sequence mm-hmm. where where they um, even take the time to explain some um, sort of um, art styles, like pointillism and stuff. <laughs> I think that is the perfect. Um, sort of fun and anarchic and break the fourth wall uh, type of humor uh, that Looney Tunes are all about uh, and like the, the art styles communicating the art styles is very much like um, the opera you know what's opera doc uh, you know where you're, you're, you're actually learning something because like how many kids probably know um Wagner through Bugs Bunny, you know? Uh, and and this was is a perfect spiritual follow-up to that, I feel. Like uh, often media or pop media is like, oh, let's be educational. Um it's kind of dorky and, and unfun and like very very eat your vegetables, but um when Looney Tunes did that, they managed to still be very fun. And the the museum sequence is very much in that spirit. Um, so yeah, that is that is very that I feel like that is the purest moment where Dante managed to um, convey what he what he would have done for eighty minutes if the those darn you know <laughs> pencil pushers at WB uh, hadn't uh, ruined the experience for him. How about you? Yeah, um, I think for me. Uh, the fact that this is a Daffy Duck movie is a delight for me and that they do the character justice. I love the animation for him. And uh, Joe Alasky, who's the voice actor for both Bugs and Daffy in this movie, I think does a wonderful, great job in, in, in capturing sort of the uh, ego, frail, egotistical spirit of that character while keeping him very still entertaining and whatnot. Um, they did, they did my boy Daffy good. And I could, and you know, that extends to all the Looney Tunes characters. I don't think the Looney Tunes characters, at least in my recollection, never act out of character as much as they would, 
would in like the Space Jam movies. You can tell that Dante respects the integrity set forth by those original animators at Warner Brothers when they were created. And so, uh, yeah, I'm glad that uh, he could, you know, through a troubled production, he could at least steward the integrity of his beloved characters. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. A shame he couldn't do that for the full 80 minutes. Yeah. Uh, But go ahead. Let's go ahead and get to our final question, ultimate question of the podcast. So go ahead, Luana. Give us your verdict, your final thoughts by answering the question, is Looney Tunes back in action a trash movie? This is a roughie. I want to say no, because it's it's a fun movie to watch. I don't hate it. It's it's nice enough. There's some great stuff in it. But it is such a trash product. You know what I mean? It's it's such a product of, of just the worst impulses. Uh, I'm gonna oh gosh. Um I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna say yes, even though okay. I like it. Okay. I'm gonna say yes even though I like it because it should have been an absolute classic. It should have, and I'm gonna say yes because it hurt Joe Dante. That Joe Dante didn't like working on it, and so I'm gonna say yes, even though I like it, enjoyed watching it. It has great stuff in there. So I'm just gonna say yes. Okay. How I about think. You? Well, I think it's gonna be one of those instances where we have the same basic opinion, but maybe different verdict. Because I'm gonna say no. I do think there is enough of Dante's energy and creativity in there that if you were not aware of any of the behind the scenes stuff, not aware of any of the history of and struggle of the Looney Tunes being relevant, I think you'll have a good enough time with this movie. I, th- I think it's fun enough. Um, but yeah, when you start digging down in deep into it, it is maddening that they couldn't that warner brothers just couldn't let be i mean this it's the equivalent of like disney fucking up a mickey mouse cartoon like that's that's how that's how stupid wrongheaded and stupid and that it seems and yeah i think i mean i mean um you know often the classic joe dante movie praise and heralded is gremlins to the new batch also put up white warner brothers but a movie where he was given so much creative freedom and you can feel it in gremlins 2 and can you imagine like a looney tunes movie with that much creative that amount, freedom yeah. with the team mm-hmm. he had assembled for back in action wonderful classic but yeah it, it it it's unfortunate when you learn the story and maybe even if you didn't even know all the behind the scenes stuff there's even there's maybe things subconsciously as you watch it you're like "Eh, i don't know about this part i don't know about that part it seems a little not uh not in sync with what i want from a looney tunes movie and i think that you can feel that studio meddling there um that said even though i you know do not do not wish that joe dante had a bad time i'm still at least happy that the movie has as much fun stuff in it as possible and uh you know i i don't know if warner brothers is ever going to make a smart decision ever again but uh maybe one day uh but that'll do it for now with looney tunes back in action because we will be back in 2 weeks with a brand new episode and that means we'll be doing brand new movie and luana yes Travis. you know i think the subject that we kept bringing up for this episode was 
uh, you know, Warner Brothers, a studio uh, who saw the success of Space Jam and just simply wanted to capitalize off that, make more money and try to rush out a similar movie as fast as possible with back in action. We saw the results of what happens when you go in with that cold calculating mind for money. Oh, so really strictly monetary gain. And we kind of brought up its competitor studio a few times, and that's Disney, who uh, I think next episode we'll talk about was in a similar predicament because years before they would buy out Lucasfilms, Star Wars was simply just another competitor at the movie market. And Disney tried to do its own Star Wars-like movie with The Black Hole. The Black Hole? Oh, gosh. I, I can't imagine that ripping off Star Wars could ever go wrong. Ah, exactly. And of course it did. And so <laughs> eventually they're like, hmm, let's stop ripping off Star Wars and just buy Star Wars then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they tried it for so long. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, we, we may discuss it later. I mean, we, we may probably discuss it in that episode, but that seems to be the Disney ammo. Well, if you can't rip them off, buy them out. Buy them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we'll discuss all things Disney and Black Hole in two weeks for our brand new episode. Um, but in the meanwhile, you can follow the show on Twitter at Trash Movie Pod. Email the show at trashmoviepod at gmail.com. And if you're feeling nice and generous to us, you can give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. In two weeks will be our brand new episode on the Black Hole. But until then, the defense rests. See ya. See ya.